0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Crime Science Podcast. This is the latest in our weekly update series, and I'm joined by Tom Meehan and Tony Nofrio and our producer, Diego Rodriguez. And The team is back from a a wild but very productive week uh, in New York City, in Manhattan at the Javits Center and around and thereabouts for the annual National Retail Federation, or NRF, Big Show. Uh, My understanding is at least 40,000 people came into the Javits Center and around, uh, but were in town for the NRF Big Show, uh, attending sessions, uh, meeting and greeting, visiting the hundreds of booths that range from Mammoth to pretty big and um, uh, went out socializing and beyond. But uh, AI, again, seemed to be a very prevalent topic uh, everywhere. I had the honor and privilege to work with currently Kroger Vice President of Asset Protection, Mike Lamb, uh, but also uh, colleagues from NVIDIA uh, and Lenovo and discuss um, a little bit about AI in retailing, particularly for protecting people and places, uh, and other assets, um, including that from coordinated or organized retail crime. And, um, what that can look like, uh, what's going on as far as tests, what are upcoming tests. Uh, we actually have one with NVIDIA, uh, coming up where we're going to be working in, uh, a group of stores and, that and the retailers participating will broaden, uh, more to come on that project, uh, But panels were bountiful. Um, I had the honor, again, and privilege of uh, working with the vice president of Macy's, uh, Joe Cole, uh, as well as colleagues uh, from Avery Dennison. And we talked about RFID and the use of that technology. Uh, also the president of the University of Memphis. Uh, and and uh, so there we were discussing uh, different ways the technology can and should or will be used uh, to understand where merchandise is throughout a retailer's enterprise physically, uh, how that merchandise is moving through the system, uh, understanding how it's being sold or and or stolen, uh, and then how to, Couple that technology or integrate it with CCTV and other sensors to kind of make sense of who's buying, who's stealing, where are they buying or stealing from, what items specifically are being purchased or taken uh, without permission, uh, how are they leaving the location, what entry exit point are they going through, uh, when are they being returned and to where and how, uh, just on and on. And then even after theft, using uh, readers to go to fencing locations to identify positively identify what an item is it's got an actual license plate if you will number so a lot of discussion there and then uh, another panel i was able to participate in uh, was on mapping and leveraging uh, mapping particularly arc pro arc gis from esri um, to understand how criminal offenders move through place and time uh, where are hot spots for crime or hot spots for Uh, criminal offender residences, how are people moving, uh, how to coordinate, what are opportunity points, what are those types of dynamics. Uh, We talked a lot about how to leverage that uh, with uh, Grant Drawe from formerly a a tenured professor at the University of Arkansas, now at CAP Index, uh, Gary uh, who of Esri. um, And we went through and discussed how to leverage mapping. Uh, In all its forms, and of course, at the LPRC, you all have heard and many of you have seen, uh, we have built using ESRI dashboards for Gainesville, Port St. Lucie, Atlanta, Georgia, and Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, as well as Portland, Oregon, all where we're mapping everything we can to understand the dynamics of crime and people movement in ecologically um, for better ways to affect and protect. So uh, a lot of that going on uh at our organization and uh, we're encouraging others we had some retailers come up uh who would like to get involved or more involved in mapping what's going on at their places and around their places around the country so very exciting very exciting to be involved with ai uh, with rfid radio frequency identification and with mapping so um good stuff there were some great social events um And a lot of meet and greets going on. I think uh, myself, Dr. Corey Lowe, our director of research, uh, Chad McIntosh, our COO, and also the current uh, acting vice president of asset protection for Rite Aid Corporation, uh, the three of us were blurs. We were together every once in a while, but not very often because we were moving to meetings, uh, going out and getting to know people, looking at new technologies and booths, talking to colleagues. So. All in all, great time, a little chilly. Uh, we ended up the the week up there in New York with the annual LPRC kickoff. Again, traditionally, 40, 50 people grew to 100 of our uh, members gathering up in the Bloomies, uh, Bloomingdale's flagship store's training room. Uh, uh, the, the Bloomingdale's team anticipated, I think we're going to grow this at and business, and some other stellar solution partners sponsored us. And we were able to move the event, and thank goodness, because we went from 100 to 200 participants uh, over to Hudson Yards up on the 101st floor. It was just a spectacular, spectacular venue, Um, great speakers uh, from NYPD, from FBI. Um, uh, We looked at some of the new logo and branding coming out for the LPRC and how it came about and what the symbology stands for. And where we're going, look at the new website, uh, how we're going to better and better connect with each other and between each other um, in the LPRC community. And um, we heard about real-time crime centers, how they're being leveraged. Uh, We learned about uh, the FBI's focus on major felonies and crimes, uh, how they're working to support us uh, in the industry uh, through research development, but primarily through investigation. So a lot of dialogue, Uh, it was an amazing turnout as I mentioned, Uh, a lot of vice presidents and other key decision makers from retailers, uh, as well as some key solution partners in there, all all working together. Um, LPRC has continued to grow. We'll announce uh, six more new members. Uh, The LPRC added over 50 new corporations to membership in 2023, uh, and we already have quite a few lined up for 2024. Um, if you're an organization, you're not members of the LPRC, please uh, bring us up, talk to us, uh, whether it's kim, K-I-M, at lpresearch.org or operations at lpresearch.org or go to the website to join. Uh, that's been heavily used recently. So the organization's growing. Uh, we talked a lot about the two focal points Uh as far as we believe addressing crime and loss in the retail environment or any environment for that matter. And that is awareness and control. And we've talked on here about awareness and control in this different formats, how we have three research tracks that overlap uh, affecting offender choices uh, from the time they leave their residence till they get to where their journey to harm ends uh, as far as going kinetic and then beyond. Um, Detect, uh, detecting or sensing, being aware of what threat is out there, what's coming our way, and how we might best affect them and protect the people and the assets that need to be. So affect, detect, and then, of course, connect. How do we connect within a store or that location? How do we uh, connect stores with each other within a chain, between chains, chains together, chains with their law enforcement and other critical partners. So we went through that uh, premise. We went through that uh, logic model, the framework of the five zones, the bow tie, the double bow tie models, uh, leveraging how do we increase awareness and control. Talk briefly about, and we'll be talking a lot more about coercion theory and how we can leverage that. Uh, a lot of this comes from other disciplines, including military science. Uh, but it's what we do, right? Uh, there's a couple major branches of coercion. One is deterrence. We're trying to get people to make decisions not to initiate, not to progress to harm a person or place uh, or their stuff. Um, that's a, somewhat more passive because we're we may or may not know if somebody does makes that decision not to initiate or not to continue. Uh, on the other side, or the other part of that is compellence. Uh, what we're doing. To, in the first instance, get somebody not to do something uh, passively it doesn't look like right the conditions and so on. In this case, with compellence we're trying to compel somebody or an offender or a crew that threat uh, through more aggressive, assertive means. Uh, we take things away. We shut down uh, their capability um, individually or jointly. Um, so we will go much more into coercion theory, uh, deterrence, and compellence, and how we leverage that for control, The control part of awareness and control, as we're doing with talking a lot about the awareness component, and that is through uh, detect, and that's where we have behaviors, signals, signatures we're looking for that could indip- indicate an offender, a threat, a movement of that threat, that offender toward us, uh, or after being there to another target, and so on, uh, what sensors do we need to pick up those behaviors, those signals and signatures, uh, and then what type of AI models might help us cut through the noise and find those signals, uh, even in a very cluttered, busy environment. Um, So... That's a big part of what we're working on, of course, of awareness and control and uh, that there's meaningful parts of this. It's not just understanding or leveraging uh, these operational and strategic frameworks, but how do we make this real? How do we refine that and how do we maintain agility or adaptability that we keep changing these things to keep up with the threat as it morphs and changes an individual Uh, learns a little bit through their trials and errors, what happened, what didn't happen to them, what they hear, what they're telling others, what they see online uh, in a variety of ways. So we'll talk more about that, but that's our research and development at the LPRC. There are these underlying concepts, human, behavioral, individual, and groups, and then understanding ways to affect and create safer places instead of just running around doing stuff. Uh, And not understanding how the stuff we're trying to do might actually work, what maybe isn't working, how to make it work better, how to make it work better with something else combined or integrated with it, um, and so on, right? So that's the LPRC long-winded part, but that's really the method to the madness here uh, in everything we do, how we bring on team members, how they're trained and oriented, what they lead and or work on, uh, how they work together, how we work with individual and groups of retailers and other places, but certainly with our solution partners as well. Um, So a lot, a lot going on here at LPRC. uh, And one last as I go over to my colleagues, and that is, again, LPRC has Ignite February 28th for our board of advisors. They know who they are. You know who you are. uh, And our Innovate advisory panel. Um, We're excited about that. Uh, We're going to have a full day of planning and need exercises a great evening event the following day february 29th is when we go through integrate where we integrate a lot of technologies and people to uh, affect detect uh, and connect around an active shooter an active killer a mass killer um, assailant in this case Uh, event and exercise uh, working with all the agencies federal state and local we mentioned uh, many times now um, and go through threat detect, uh, assessment, prioritization—you know—that management plan that goes around threats. Um, so we're going to have people that have dealt with real live uh, active shooters that either made it there or did not, and what they have been doing and learning uh, through research and through experience about threat management. And then we're going to look at the journey of the offender through the ecosystem to harm. If we detect that person, can who that person might be identify them Our threat assessment teams from, again, FBI behavioral analysis unit one plus three special agents based in Florida that are highly trained in this tactic through the uh, two separate retail corporations, threat assessment teams, and then the University of Florida that has a threat team. Uh, all four of them will separately be looking at the personas or profiles and coming up with that. If they do, they'll put them into uh, LPR and other detection systems, including uh, facial feature matching, weapon detection, uh, noises uh, detection, oral sensors, and things like that, to see if we can detect and affect that offender on his, their, his journey to harm, to, to grievously harm. So uh, stay tuned for that. This is a special invitation-only event, both of them, uh, due to space. But rest assured, what we're learning And what we plan in the first uh, part of this on Ignite, uh, and then what we learn through Integrate, this year's version 2024, we will be breaking down more active assailants, more mass attacks um, throughout the 2024 and 2025 uh, years. And we will have other events online or in person around that. And that's where it's going to be open to all of our membership. Um, So questions or comments? operations at lpresearch.org is the place to go with no further ado let me turn over
0: to colleague and friend well thank you reed and uh happy new year once again even though i know we're a couple weeks into the month i feel like you can say happy new year all the way through to the end of january so uh wanted to start off with the big show the nrf big show so tony myself reed we're all together uh, which is always good to be together and uh just a quick kind of overview of some of the things that um, i saw and some of the trends that we're seeing, lots and lots of uh, talk about AI. AI was everywhere, about 40,000 attendees strong, big, big show. Uh, and there was a big buzz about artificial intelligence, uh, RFID, and organized retail crime. There were certainly a lot more, but those were the the three things that I wanted to talk to the team about uh, here uh, at the LPRC. So very exciting stuff. I think there was a, a, a big press on data and and AI as well as computer vision and and AI. So something that I was really excited about was to see that technology maturing a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff around RFID, uh, heavily driven by the Walmart initiative. But uh, it was exciting to see the amount of RFID vendors and solutions there, as well as folks talking about RFID and not only the inventory visibility and asset tracking space, but also in the asset protection space. So very, very exciting. It felt like there was more asset protection people than in years past. And I, I, I caution, you know, my statement of it felt like, because I know it's anecdotal at best, but definitely was more LP people that I spoke to. So um, feel like really good about that. We had a, a series of events. We, um, between the NRF council dinner um, and the loss prevention uh, research uh, kickoff meeting, which was f- fantastic. It was a packed house, FBI, NYPD, uh, Corey and the LPRC team talking about what was going on and really, really all around great event. If you can sense the excitement in my voice, it's because it was just a fantastic event. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about what's going on I know uh, last week we we skipped an episode because of the NRF protect but uh, I mentioned it before December was a was a, a stronger month than some expected with an increase of about 5.8 percent in sales year-over-year year. that shows that consumer uh, consumer spending was there uh, very 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 exciting to hear that good to see that um, what I would say is there's still a lot of doom and gloom in the media I would uh, encourage everybody here to keep your heads up and think about uh, what uh, what you know what is going on there's a ton of, of uh of news around layoffs and changes in retail um as anybody who's been in retail as long as a lot of our listeners have this is an unfortunate part of what it goes on it doesn't mean um that you know companies are going to go away there's just adjustments occurring and there are still several uh, hundred jobs open i saw a lot of posts on linkedin of where there was uh, unfortunate layoffs but uh you know, our network is strong here in the loss prevention industry. Feel free to reach out to myself. I'm going to offer up any of our other LPRC partners here if we can help. But really, uh, this is a community of people that and we, we're here to help with it. I uh, wanted to just kind of shed some light on something that we talk about all the time is civil unrest and some of the geopolitics that are occurring. I'll start with the civil unrest uh, pieces. There's still a pretty consistent theme of civil unrest around pro-Palestine or pro-Israel, more pro-Palestine at this point, uh, civil unrest and protests around uh, stopping the conflict in Gaza. Um, I would say that this is a, a pretty regular occurrence and it is a global phenomenon it is not just a US challenge or a US issue or a US thing that's occurring. When you look at where it's occurring and when it's occurring, it is spread wide here. And I, I think that what I would say is uh, we need to continuously to use resources like the Net and share information openly about what that means for all of us. And why am I talking about this today is because I think there's a real need for us to understand that I don't see this going away for some time and the chatter is off the charts. Additionally. Um, I think everybody knows that 2024 is an election year here in the United States, but there are 59 additional countries, um, might be 60, I'm going to go with 59, I think it's 60 or 61 total that have an election year. And in several of them, uh, it's a very polarizing situation. It may not be exactly the same as what we are facing here in the US. But by and large, there is a, a, a global kind of Feeling of some polarized, uh, once you know, one or the other side politics. So, we need to be very mindful of what that means from a civil disturbance standpoint, but also from a geopolitical supply chain standpoint. Uh, I'm not going to get too far into that because we talk about that regularly, but what we're seeing today in the Red Sea, where we have con- you know, uh, corporate cargo ships being bombed, and um, is not necessarily a good thing, right? We, we know this. And I'm not saying that facetiously. I'm just saying we know that that creates a real strain on us, both from a cost of containers and insurability of containers, and in, in some cases, route, uh, you know, even route avoidance. And so we are in for a a challenging next couple of months and hopefully not longer than that when it comes to supply chain disruption. Uh, I wrote an article in LP magazine a couple of months ago about geopolitical risk and supply chain was a, a key point of it. I actually wrote another article and, and published it just recently about the importance of using active intelligence monitoring. Um, we did mention that the red sea piece here on the podcast a few weeks before it hit mainstream media was going to potentially be a challenge based on chatter. So I, you know, I love that you know this. Our little podcast, a lot of times, is ahead of the curve with some of these things. But the real reality is, for each and every one of us, if you're in a retail environment and um, there is a a a potential supply chain disruption or um, certainly a cost a cost bearing uh that we have to be aware of doesn't necessarily mean you are affected today doesn't mean you will be affected it just means that you can be and that's part of what the fusion net at the lost financial research council is all about is how do you stay engaged up to speed and ahead on really complex uh, issues that are occurring and the idea of the fusion that is not just an information source but a, a way that us as individuals can work together to identify Uh, ways uh, that we can share and validate information. So uh, I talk about that a lot, but I I felt like it was really important. And then I'm going to close on another AI note. I've I've said that every single podcast I'm going to talk about AI is OpenAI, the parent company of ChatGBT has just changed the rules around using their chat bots feature to represent a politician's. So they're actually stopping that, so that there's no misinformation going out. To my knowledge, there's only one one elected official that was using it, but they they put the kibosh on it so that it wasn't misused. And just last week, if you if you follow the news, you would have heard that somebody used a deep fake of Mr. Uh, uh, former President Trump's voice um, to send a message. Uh, and I'm looking at my notes here. I apologize. Um, at what state it was, but it went out and um, basically what was occurring was that they get a phone call from, you know, from Donald Trump, which was a deep fake. Uh, and what I would say about deep fakes, if you don't know what that means is deep fakes are when you, uh, AI is used to represent someone's voice and or it's usually video. Um, and so I think it, it's funny, there was some talks about uh, you know, DeSantis using it for an ad and all these other things, but this was really a phone call that was going out um, to different people, and it was a it was political political attack against Donald Trump. And so, this is a real risk for all of us, right? Uh, what happens when you have what sounds and looks like a person talking, and you know, uses his AI? Uh, uses AI to represent someone's voice. There's real risk associated with this. This is one of those things that um, is occurring pretty regularly. So we always used to say, you know, don't believe it unless you see it or hear it. Now we have to really question that. I talk about cybersecurity risk and the ability to, you know, always validate full voice or be a voice for years. I've said, you call someone, don't wait for them to call you. We really do now have to take a second look and listen to something we see. I would argue that most deep fake videos, even the really good ones, a trained eye can identify some tell signs of lip movement and an awkward um, head gestures and sometimes out of sync voice. But what I will say is that really good voice generated deep fakes are almost um, perfect. And uh, the if you have the resources, you can get a, a voice deep fake that is nearly perfect. Um, It it will even pass some of the voice authentication things that were once thought to be um, foolproof. So we are in the age of AI. We are in the age of of, uh, generative AI. We're in the age of an evolution for AI. With all that being said, I think it's important to remember that AI dates back to the 40s. This is not a new thing. Um, I think what I would say is it's very similar to the industrial revolutions. We are in in the fourth iteration of AI. Uh, I feel like like digitization is here. And I'd encourage each and every one of the listeners to embrace it, to to learn how to use it, embrace it because uh, when you use it correctly it is a a fantastic tool in everything that you do Uh, with that uh again happy new year if i saw you at nrf protect which i saw several hundred folks it's great it was great to see you and i'm looking forward to seeing you and i would be remiss if if i didn't mention if you're going to be at ignite at the end of the month in february i will see you there everybody please stay safe back to
1: you reed awesome again tom i appreciate all that great information and diego i want to thank you for your production and posting look for our new website lpresearch.org hit it come in there see what we've got It's still being developed but huge huge part of it is up and functioning it looks amazing um so reach out to us let us know what you think what we can do do better and uh stay safe and stay in touch